Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Beastmaster and Lancelot, Guardian of Time. I would watch the first one, because I don't know if Lancelot got no weasels. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Uh, so is anybody watching any trailers today? Big Comic-Con trailers? I just watched the Top Gun one. Oh. Okay, did anybody watch any good trailers from Comic-Con today? I watched about 10 seconds of the Cats trailer and what in the furry fucking nightmare. <laughs> did they do what what kind of abomination did they put on film like i said anybody watch any good trailers today uh the closest thing i've watched to a good trailer is the jane silent bob reboot trailer all right all right that's what we can talk about i guess that's yeah i uh i don't know if that's good or not it's good for me but again kevin smith makes movies for an audience of two he makes them for me and for him and that's it so I, I, I think we're the only two who like Tusk. So that's uh, I like Tusk as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm part of me sad that he he feels like since like Tusk and Yoga Hosers didn't set the world on fire, that he has to go back to Jay and Bob stuff. But I like uh, I like Jay and Bob stuff. So yeah, born. I I don't. And again, I don't feel like he's doing this out of some sense of desperation because I don't think he views himself as a filmmaker anymore. Like that's not what his job is anymore. Yeah. Like he make, I think he makes a lot more money off of like his other endeavors, mostly the podcasting and the live appearances, and the filmmaking is something he does mm-hmm. because he likes it. And you know, I, I think that's like again, I think this. There's no implication at all that this movie is being made for any purpose other than to entertain a hardcore group of fans. Mm. And I mean, like, yeah, you could go back and say that the original Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was made for that same purpose. But back then he was lying to audiences and saying, no, 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 it's made, it'll appeal to everybody. You don't have to have seen my other movies. In this case, he's like, no, no, this is just me and my friends playing. <laughs> and he's like, it's just, it's literally like anybody who he's worked with before or has met that he just likes hanging out with, they get to be in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, like, every character, no matter how small, is played by somebody that somebody would recognize Yeah, movies and TV. But it's super fucking weird that, like, I don't know, obviously I've never met Kevin Smith. He must be the nicest human being on the planet. Because how is, like, Chris Hemsworth in this movie? How does that make any fucking sense? Like, uh, I think he met him interviewing him somewhere. Yeah, well, he does. They like, just became, thing. like, friends and... He, he does, like, interviews for IMDb at, like, yeah. I think it's at Comic-Con that he does them. Mm-hmm. And 
he just seems to all like the next thing the next movie he makes the people he interviewed last year are just in the movie now <laughs> it's like that's, how like that that doesn't work that way that's not how the world is but like I, okay it just works for him that way and like i think chris jericho is in this movie it's like uh, sure oh yeah why not those two, <laughs> those, those two have been on each other's podcast and they like to yeah they like to suck each other's dick apparently it's funny it's like i I'm kind of glad that there's still a part of the world that works this way. Like, I like the idea that, like, these people who are rich and famous are still just like, nah, fuck it, my buddy's making a movie. Just go, go to New Orleans for a couple days. Sure. That'll be fun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like Chris Helmsworth. You could, you could, you know, you've joined, like, three different uh, franchises now. You could probably just make tens of millions of dollars by doing another movie. Yeah. I'll probably get paid scale and just show up for like a day and a half. I don't even think I'm not even sure if it's scale. I don't even know if these are like SAG approved movies that Kevin <laughs> Smith does anymore. Cause like he's told the story about when he got Johnny Depp to be in his movies and he like told mm. his like he told his people like don't send contracts to the guy. The guy gave me his word he'll be there. Let's just do it based on that. We don't want paperwork. It, it's gonna fuck everything up. <laughs> and it's like, all right weird but all right <laughs> yeah i mean his daughter being in the movie i'm sure helped uh, was she in the first one? Oh, just she had the like, little tiny appearance yeah they were both uh the cashiers yeah, the cashiers of the story yeah. yeah which is why i think johnny depp initially signed on for that one and then hey she's gonna be a co-lead in this one <laughs> like, oh. all right if, i i don't know how we haven't talked about this but apparently there's a comic book movie that i should have known about that's coming out that completely avoided my entire register. Did you guys know there's a Morbius movie coming out? Uh, since I don't know what that is, no, I don't. Morbius the Living Vampire? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been well published. Yeah. I I honestly... Isn't it Jared, some, Jared Leto? Somehow, I had never seen a single thing about it. Not on a movie schedule, not on... All of the comic book news websites that I read on a regular basis, not not in all of this stuff. Have I seen it? And now they're saying they're like not not only is it you know what I mean, it's progressing. It, the trailer should be dropping soon. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, how well, in the fuck? Well, I think it was like when Ant Man was like being worked on, where it was like for five years, like Edgar Wright was supposed to be doing an Ant Man movie, and then suddenly he left and then it's like oh yeah we're done shooting like two weeks later and you're like what the fuck just happened right i think it's like the same situation where it's finally like well i had heard rumors where they were like you know we're trying to do these other spider-man characters but he wasn't in the list it was like there was like a silver sable movie that was supposed to be getting made or something Mm -hmm. and a bunch of weird shit like that and then they're like oh no yeah my my brother mentioned it at a barbecue and he's like yeah morbius should be coming out and i was like Morbius is like my favorite fucking comic book character. I don't understand how a movie could be made in this day and age with my access to technology and obsessive need to know about comic book movies. And somehow this one individual movie has completely evaded my knowledge of its existence. I also don't know how that happened because I would have told you if I'd known you were going to get this worked up about it. <laughs> um, did you know that the... Morbius was in a deleted scene from Blade. I did. Oh, I didn't. And and I've seen the super grainy footage of it. 
Oh, yeah, apparently it's on the bonus features of the Blade DVD. It's it's literally nothing. You see, you just see a guy in a trench coat standing on a building in the distance. Mm. Like it seemed all... like that would be the the right crossover. I don't know if there's much history of that in the comics, but yeah. The reason why Blade's a vampire is because Morbius bit him. Oh. Originally, Blade was just a vampire hunter. Isn't the movie version of Blade like his mom got bit while she was pregnant or something? Yeah, yeah, that's not remotely close to the comic book. Okay. I don't, I don't know Blade from the comics. I only know him from the movies. The whole, the whole thing is in the comic book. So Morbius is a doctor. He does. He's got a horrible blood disease. He does an experiment trying to cure it, and he basically becomes a weird science vampire, right? Yeah, and that he because it was in Spider-Man the animated series, right? Right, but he doesn't have the weird uh, uh, need for plasma or or sucky holes on his hands because that was a weird thing that they had to do because they he couldn't bite people. Okay, <laughs> so it, the confusing thing is, so th- this vampire exists in the comic book universe where real vampires already exist. So there are regular vampires. He's just a different weird science vampire. Yeah. Like that makes complete sense to me. Right, right. And he, one of his big things is whenever he bites people, normally they don't turn into vampires. That's like, he it just doesn't happen. And then he has a bunch of weird shit too. Like for some reason, if he drinks Spider-Man's blood, his, his blood hunger will go away for like an entire year and he can live a normal life. Uh, but there's a big thing in the comic books where basically he bites Blade and Blade becomes a weird daywalker vampire from it instead of becoming a normal vampire just for some random reason. They assume it's because he's like a mutant and Morbius's bite just activated his abilities. Cool nerd shit. Anyways, that's like a Sony movie, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. so it'll probably not be good. Uh, Apparently their plan now is they're making some kind of weird Spider-Man Dark Universe. <laughs> with, with, no with no Spider-Man in it. So the rumor I've heard is that it's going to be connected to Venom. Fucking idiots. <laughs> Take all of your characters, put them on the table, push it towards Marvel Studios with a number written down beside each one. You can use whichever ones you want. Just pay us this percentage of the box office and move the fuck on. Quit fucking it up. My my problem is I feel like uh, Disney would never do anything with Morbius. I, I think they would just sit on that shit and it'll never. I, oh, it's just like, just like Blade. I don't think we're going to see a Blade movie anytime soon. I think that that's. Really? Yeah. No, that's not. That's not Disney's. Wesley Snipes has had meetings with Marvel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he has, but that doesn't have anything to do with anything, and they're not going to make a Blade movie anytime soon. Not a good, not a good Blade movie. Okay, well that's that's a different conversation. But I I just feel like they should take take the properties that could be rated R esque stuff, package it all together, and do a separate little dark universe where it doesn't have to interact with anything, and they can release it through Touchstone or wherever the fuck they want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe do a new man thing movie. I just I just don't think many of the you're not this whole idea that you're going to do movies about Spider-Man villains without bringing Spider-Man in is pisses me off and it's annoying and just don't. Well, I, I was going to say now Morbius Morbius kind of works without Spider-Man. 
they've just yeah. got in the comic books they're just real intertwined but yeah. in in general morbius has had his own comic books for 30 years or something like that yeah it's just uh, yeah doing a venom movie without having any venom Spider-Man makes no sense to me whatsoever yeah. well they any excuse to get tom hardy into a lobster tank i guess so you guys know i was almost gonna watch that movie and then i found out about that scene and now i'm not gonna watch that movie <laughs> like, I, was, I was literally like just i'm like that'll show up on netflix and i'll watch it and somebody like shared a clip of him sitting in a lobster tank Oh, just taking that off the list right now. I'll, I'll say it again. Venom's not a bad movie. It's just you've got such good movies to compare it to that it looks like shit. Well, and that's the problem with comic book movies in today's day and age is what Marvel Cinematic Universe has done is just raised the stakes. And all of these other comic book movies that come out that are would have been fine when their comparables were and Affleck as Daredevil and shit like that, that they would have been fine movies, but now they're garbage because they're up against something well, better. And I think everybody thought Daredevil was garbage when it came out. Mm. No, I don't agree with that. I think it's, there is a, there's a, there's a nerd bubble that exists the same way. There's like a conservative bubble and a liberal bubble <laughs> in uh, politics. There's a nerd bubble that exists in pop culture. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this circle of, Everyone in my Facebook friends list hated this movie, but it did make tons of money and it was widely popular in certain circles and a lot of mainstream audiences liked it. And I think I, with a lot of stuff. I didn't hate it as much as everybody else. There are certain scenes I have problems with, um, but I actually do enjoy the director's cut, which has a lot more character stuff edited back in. I agree. Yeah, if you take out. I don't think I've ever seen it. Hmm. It's got a lot more like uh, character development and stuff edited back in. Yeah. I mean, you still got some problems. Like that fight on the teeter totters is still one of the worst things that's ever been. Pretty much everything with Electra is bad. Yeah, put it on cellulite, but well, yeah. and and the fact that Ben Affleck might as well just be a chunk of wood sometimes. Like he's not interesting. I was surprised to see him in the new Jay and Bob trailer. Yeah, that caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe now sure. done, he's done being Batman. He's like, yeah, I can go and just do a fun movie now. Well, you know what? And maybe he might have learned a lesson from being Batman, which is maybe he doesn't want to be involved in that high-end stuff as much. Mm-hmm. I need this. Speaking of Batman, I need this goddamn Joker movie to come out. Ugh. Because I, I need, to, I, still I, need think it was terrible. I just I need to know if it's fucking terrible or not. Because it's either going to be really good or fucking awful, and and the the stress of not knowing bothers me. You have the whitest of white people problems, sir. <laughs> I, I oh, dude, I am I am as pasty as they come. You could bottle me and sell me as Elmer's glue. Uh, uh, did anybody watch the it chapter two trailer? I have not yet. Oh. I'm not excited for the trailer because it's it falls directly into the category of I know I'm going to see that. Yeah, so I don't need to be sold on it. Yeah, I know. Um, I just think there's it's I'm excited. It, this trailer has definitely got me excited for it. Um, and they do they do they kind of even I don't know I didn't really need it but they still do it in the trailer where they have they show the shots of the kids and then they'll fade into who's playing them as an older character, which yeah. I enjoy. So I think the casting's really good. I do, I do think the cast looks good for the adults. I think they mm-hmm. nailed it. 
Um, yeah. We'll see how the performances go. But They do show a couple more things that I think are uh, storylines from the book that uh, were not included in the original miniseries. It looks oh, like. no. Child orgy. So, no child orgy. <laughs> not that. Not in the trailer. <laughs> no, that's a deleted scene for the Blu-ray. That's... that's... Be the first story um, that they have to sell only behind those weird swinging saloon doors at the back of the store. <laughs> I would really, of all the things I would like to see in the movie, I would just like to them to bring in the concept of the turtle. Well, maybe. It what? looks like there's a shot of them, uh, of someone in that uh, uh, in-ground clubhouse that they had. So, oh, the one they turn into a sweat shack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it looks like at least the uh, clubhouse is there. Whether we'll go that far, we'll see. All right. Oh, how'd you enjoy your Top Gun trailer? Doug? Meh. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, it was. It's literally just, you guys remember Top Gun? We did another one. That's, that's what the trailer is. They might as well just have the guy say that. It's. See Tom Cruise put the jacket on again, grab the sunglasses. We see yeah. him do the motorcycle ride again beside yeah. the plane. I'm like, what are you doing? Super, oh. super oh. boring hot take. I don't fucking like Top Gun. I don't like Top Gun either. Yeah. I don't like that movie. <laughs> how weird is it that I watched the trailer for the new one, but I don't like the original? That's strange. Uh, I like I like the original in a. Um, uh, I want to watch something super over the top '80s, and that's about it. Yeah, but there's I just think and, there's other stuff. And usually only because uh, they used to rerun like retro stuff around here sometimes. Um, only if I could see it in the theater, just because it's fun with all those planes and stuff in the theater. But yeah, I could see seeing it in the theater just to watch like the crowd reaction laughing at it and stuff too mm -hmm. but i find top gun is definitely one of those movies that like any enjoyment i get from it is from me laughing at it and not laughing sure. with it like it takes itself so seriously and i'm like you're not a serious movie at all <laughs> yeah the the closest i get to enjoying top gun is hot shots part dear <laughs> not part one part one doesn't have as many uh references i don't think Top one. The first one is like all Top Gun. Yeah, the second first one's all Top Gun. Second one's more Rambo. Yeah. I was going to say the start of part two has got a lot. Uh, yeah. the start of, the maybe start no, no. The start of part two is the, uh, is the take on the no. opening to Rambo 3. You guys you guys are right. I got them flip-flopped in my head for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. No you just got to try to think which one has him shooting a chicken out of a bow and arrow on the box art. Maybe I just like saying part yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's still got one of the greatest lines from a movie ever. And that's, I will kill you until you die from it. It's funny every fucking time, and it's so fucking stupid. If you guys want to vote in what we're teaming up with these movies, start thinking now because those are both going on the list. <laughs> and separately, too. We're not watching them on the same week. Well,. Hot Shots and National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, I think, have to go together. That makes sense. There's actually a reference to Hot Shots in Loaded Weapon 1, so I mean, they kind of yeah. have to. I haven't seen Loaded Weapon 1 in a long time, so... And then uh, Hot Shots Part 2 and uh, 
uh, loaded weapon 33 and a third or whatever it's called. <laughs> Naked gun. Naked gun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But that's of the future. What are we talking about this week? Mark Singer. <laughs> Technically, it was a Rip Thorn episode. <laughs> just, yeah. just heavily Mark Singer to get. This to is, I know you don't like when we bring this up, but this was a trend from the last Horrorcast days, where in order to pay tribute to a fallen actor, we would do episodes dedicated to other actors that happened to be in <laughs> movies with that actor. <laughs> We did a Matthew McConaughey episode because Bill Paxton died. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That's funny. Um, so first up, we got Beastmaster, which uh, I'm going to say for me and Noah, just one of those movies that you saw like a billion times when you were younger. Is it ran on a cable like pretty much 24-7? Yeah, it's it's one of those ones when someone says they haven't seen it, you're you're like more confused than anything. You're like, how? It was like on TV every three hours for ten years. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, it's a good thing you guys didn't talk to me about four days ago because I'd never seen it until I four know. Days ago. I know, and I'm uh, this is uh, I'm infinitely curious how this is going to play this out. Is, so. This is uh, this is absolutely the true story of Beastmaster. It was on TV constantly. It was, it was always on like TBS and my grandfather loved this movie mm-hmm. and I would go over and I would see Mark Singer standing there in that fucking costume and I'd be like this is nothing but a He-Man ripoff and my grandfather and I would get into an argument because he'd be like well maybe He-Man's ripping this off <laughs> and we would argue well, <laughs> and first now of all it's clearly a Conan ripoff yeah, yeah, yeah but as a child when both, <laughs> when both properties are both ripoffs of Conan it's hard for me to piece all that together okay <laughs> and so we, I had that argument like multiple times with my grandfather and consequently never saw this movie because <laughs> every time it was on we would just argue uh, alright well let's run it down real quick uh, Rip Torn plays this evil I don't know what the fuck is he like a priest or a... yeah he's like an evil cleric of a dark god yeah, yeah. and he wants to uh get rid of this and there's a prophecy that the king's firstborn son will kill him so of course he sends a witch in to the bedroom of the king and the queen and then somehow transfers the baby from her stomach into a cow yep and uh, <laughs> as she's going to kill it uh, sacrifice it and whatever ritual that they I don't know said they were going to do it some guy kills her takes the baby home raises him. Okay. I have to amend a statement. I just realized yeah. something. Uh, I take it back because of the thrown weapon. This is probably a Kroll ripoff. <laughs> it can be all yeah, it's there's... <laughs> This movie uh, is the stereotypical 80s fantasy film. Mm-hmm. And therefore will have many, many connections to many other films <laughs> of its type. Uh, so of course this guy raises this kid. You find out this kid has ability to talk to animals. I'm gonna assume by being transferred into a cow is probably how that happened. It's fascinating to me that they make no attempt to explain it. Or the mark of the god or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, no Uh, effort whatsoever to explain why he can talk to animals. So his his village is uh, raised by the what the fuck were they called? I guess. The evil, evil barbarian guys. Yeah. 
So they, uh, you know, burn the village to the ground, kill everybody except for him, because his faithful dog drags him away. Um, oh, he, oh, dead dog scene. Oh, oh, it hurts. Uh, he wakes up, seeks revenge, ends up gathering allies on his way, and then uh, finds out that his sort of uh, in-game also sort of the, seems to coincide with freeing this village of... Uh, his his dad's kingdom, although he doesn't know it's his dad and his brother and some sort of weird cousin that I'm curious how they're related on which side because he was all over her. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, weird magic, sword battles, all that good stuff, and Riptorn being super evil, which I really enjoy. Just, just throwing children into a fire <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> He's yeah. super into fucking burning kids. Yeah. <laughs> he loves what a, it. What a weird villain device that that's like his go-to thing. There, He's not out doing all sorts of random villainry. He just <laughs> really, really wants to sacrifice all these children. And he wants to force the people of the city to have more children to give him more children to throw into the fire thing. Here's the thing is, too, is it's never addressed in the film. Is there actually a god that he's sacrificing these children to? Or has he been tricked into believing in a god? Or is this just his excuse to throw kids into a burning <laughs> fire? Because it kind of seems like he's just doing it for the show. But he's really enjoying it as well. So I think he's just... I think this is all for naught. Because when that one kid is stolen by a bird and carried away, he's just like, see? That's a sign that the gods wanted that kid up there. <laughs> So he's clearly just going with the flow. So I don't think he believes in a god. I think he's just throwing kids into a fire because he likes to. Oh, no, 100%. I think that's his thing. I think he's super boned up for burning children. Yeah. No. It's a way to keep everybody in line. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's accidentally, probably accidentally, a commentary on all religion, which is, you know, none of them believe anything, right? They're all just doing it to keep you in line. <laughs> but... I don't know that the movie was trying to make that point, but it kind of accidentally does. Yeah. So as, as I mentioned, me and Noah grew up with this movie and I'm going to make a prediction that if I asked Noah what he thought of it, he's going to say it was awesome because that's where I fall too. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> so, Everything about this movie is good. So the big question is, Doug, what did you think of this movie? I, I am much as an adult. I am shocked to tell you that I think this is a good movie. Oh, yeah. I went in, I was thinking, best case scenario, I'm going to have a blast watching this movie because it's going to be ridiculous and stupid. Mm. It'll be fun to watch. And the movie definitely has its flaws. Namely, I, I don't know why they couldn't get Mark Singer and teach him how to use a sword before they put him in this movie. Because <laughs> he's, he's killing guys from three feet throughout the entire movie. He's swinging Listen. that sword. It's nowhere near him. Throughout his career, he doesn't get much better at swordplay. We can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. And like the other thing with this movie that's like a major flaw, and this is just a trope of 80s fantasy films, is once he starts going on his journey and he makes all of his friends, and then everything just falls into place, that they all fucking are all headed in the same direction and all working towards goals that conveniently unite them. It's like, it's ridiculous. But that true in every other 80s fantasy film as well. Mm-hmm. I was genuinely surprised how good the film looks. I was surprised 
by how good Rip Torn's character is, I was surprised by like how much it wasn't ridiculous when he started using this little like animal army of like is it it's like two ferrets, a tiger that they painted black for some reason. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I have the reason for that. We'll get to it. Okay, so they he has this little army of animals that starts traveling with him. I was like. I can't believe I'm not thinking this is ridiculous and stupid, but I'm actually enjoying it. They're actually pulling it off. And I mean, I didn't know it was a Don Casarelli film either. Yeah. That probably explains why all this ridiculousness is working. He knows how to create that weird atmosphere that makes makes a fantasy world seem just real enough that you buy into it. Were you also surprised by the fact that uh, every warrior in the movie ends up wearing a loincloth for some reason? <laughs> And then the bad guys were like assless chaps. Yes, yes, I was caught off guard by that. The amount of of ass in the movie was unnecessary and shocking, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't know because there is like when I was doing like I always do a little Google search for images so that I can post an Instagram thing before I watch any movie, and there's one that I downloaded because there's a guy that looks like he's an S and M gear. Well, that'll be a funny thing to put up on Instagram, but it's not because he's one of like forty-five characters in the movie that wears S and M gear. <laughs> oh, I, for a second, I thought you were t- talking about the the. Oh, god damn it! I can't remember his name. The dad from uh, Good Times, Johnny Mose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny Mose. Yeah, that guy does not have a body for the attire, and they should have dressed him around it. I'm just saying, everybody's wearing loincloths, and then they get to him, and they're like, you're wearing a loincloth, too, but it's going to be a loincloth and a thong and a leather harness. And he was like, I'm cool with that. <laughs> he didn't care. That has bothered me so much as all of a sudden the kids running around on the loincloth at the end. That was a little weird. And I'm like, do we, do we, do we really need this? How is he going to fight if he's not wearing a loincloth? Uh, the he, movie lore has clearly established you can't fight if you're not in a loincloth. could wear a tunic at least. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. I also noticed like Rip Torn's character had oddly modern clothes on underneath his little robe, so I just don't know if they just couldn't convince him to wear a loincloth or what. But... Oh, yeah. You can also see, if you watch real close at the end of the movie, there's, there's a whole bunch of really cool uh, fuck-ups in this film. And when they're real close in on his face, his little skull things that are in his hair, they're like clearly like pinchy, <laughs> clanky barrette things. Yeah. But I can like I can forgive some of that. Movies from this era weren't given budgets and didn't have access to technology of movies from today, right? So yeah, like they used plastic little skull things to put in his hair, but they look cool on most of the the shots they look fine right 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 i, I just I, I can't believe how well made this movie was like yeah. with the exception of some of the sword fighting where it was clear that they were just scared to hit each other because they were like not coming close but like even the scene where the dog drags him off like when you watch a lot of older movies and a dog is dragging a guy off it's like you can kind of see his leg pushing himself along it <laughs> like but the filmmaking is done in such a way that it legitimately looks like a dog dragged this guy out of the fight and saved him and then when they kill the dog it looks like they killed the dog and i'm like yeah it's really well done it was the 80s they might have killed that dog (laughs) (laughs) no that was more like a 50s thing by the 80s they were just injuring animals 
quote unquote accidentally. Well, speaking of that, I guess. So the reason the tiger is painted black, <laughs> which I don't really know if there's a good excuse for it, but no, uh, if you it's read, not, it's not for the record. No. There's no excuse to do that to a tiger. Uh, if you read Don Coscarelli's uh, biography, autobiography, he talks that uh, when they were setting everything up, he told them he wanted the panther for this role or whatever. Okay. They tried to convince them to use a tiger because, you know, those are more easily trained or whatever. Uh, he's like, ah, I don't know. I think a panther panther would be good. And they're like, okay, we'll get you a panther. And then he shows up on set and they literally had just spray painted a tiger black. <laughs> and he was not very happy about it, but he was like, well, I mean, we're on set. We kind of have to go with it. Oh, I just imagine some coked up producer being like, yeah, it's a panther. Check it out. It's a panther. That is a painted tiger. Nah, man. Nah. Same thing. Same thing. We just took some of that hairspray, black dye, sprayed the, pan- sprayed the tiger. It's a panther now. Woo. Let's go. He's a panther. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, so if you ever, which I do not recommend, you should stop your journey here. If you ever watch Beastmaster two and three, not an issue. They just use they just use a regular tiger. They don't they don't worry about his color. I should hope so. Unless unless they refer to it by the same tiger name. And then I would be very frustrated that they took color in different movies. Uh yeah, so apparently, uh, I just found this out a couple of years ago, but Don Coscarelli hates this movie. Really? Because he had a lot of problems on the set, and then they booted them out of the editing room. So maybe that's why some of the sword fighting isn't very good, because they just slapped it together, and he didn't get a chance to, like, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know if you could fix this sword fighting in post. I just, <laughs> I mean, part of it is just the bloodlessness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, probably just a restriction of the time and the, the availability of effects. Um, but some of the times where like they go to stab the guy and it's clearly just hold the camera over here and hide and stab behind him and it'll look like it went through him, right? It's like, no, it doesn't. Every five-year-old stabs their friends and sticks it in between their arm and stuff and you think it looks good, but it doesn't. Your parents are lying to you when they say it looks just like you really stabbed him. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways but I, I can kind of forgive that because when you want like we've had this discussion a million times on this show but like when you watch movies that are older you put up with the fact that they had certain problems with filmmaking back in the day mm-hmm. like like so, having the introduction of the female character be super rapey okay <laughs> let's let's have a discussion with this female character <laughs> so well the, the funny thing is i was telling noah last week <laughs> I didn't even know there was nudity in this movie until about ten years ago. Okay, so let okay, starting with the nudity. So she's the whole thing starts with he sneaks up on her, she's swimming naked, right? And I'm going I'm going, yeah, all right. Like obviously having her be topless in these circumstances is just an excuse to show breasts. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a nineteen eighty two movie and they did that back then. And but then when she gets out of the water and starts walking towards him all she does is pull up the thing that's hanging around her waist and like tie it on behind her. So she didn't 
take off of her her clothes her shirt <laughs> to go swimming. She just had it still hanging around her waist, which makes the least amount of sense <laughs> possible. <laughs> I could I uh, blew my mind because like okay, she takes off her shirt when she goes for a swim and then puts it back on when she gets out of the water is at least an explainable reason for the boobs. The fact that you would untie it and have it hang around, that would make it harder to swim, not easier. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, but boobs. That's yeah. why. And, and then luckily our, our lead hero character pins her down and like holds her to the ground while forcibly kissing her <laughs> as a way to say hello to a stranger. And she's okay with that. As, 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 as a demand for payment for the made-up danger that she was in. <laughs> Yeah, it is super rapey. It's like a, it's not even like fun 80s rapey. It's really bad. And the fact that he's like, when he's got her pinned down, he notices that she's got like lashes on her because she's a slave and she's been whipped Mm -hmm. and he still doesn't let her up. So it's like, you're just at like, I know that these weren't the kinds of things they were trying to address in this movie, but you know what kind of PSTD somebody would have from fucking getting whipped and you're adding to that at this point and you know it and you're choosing not to stop. And I'm just like, fucking let her up. Like, I, just, I was angry at him in this moment. It's, oh, it's, it's bad. The, the good news is for an 80s movie, it's the only rapey moment. So, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's there's limited rape, which is they're nice. They're batting all right for the 80s. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's also the weird uh, sexy witches with the fucked up faces. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, that really, especially as a child, that really fucks with you. Because, like, at it, it, the beginning scene where she's, like, undulating and you keep, like, Seeing some, uh, seeing some butt and stuff, and you're like, yeah, and then it shows the face, and you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird that they just start the makeup at the neck, and it's real obvious where the lioness is. <laughs> you're like, all right, I guess. Yeah the the opening of this movie and the witches in general always freaked me out when I was younger. I can understand that. Yeah, the idea of her like transferring a baby into a cow. Was just like the weirdest and t- most terrifying thing ever. Did we, yeah. Did we mention that the special effects in this movie are actually like good? Yes. Mm-hmm. They, we haven't mentioned it, but it's worth it's worth mentioning. Like, I, I, I gave some of the negative points in the movie, and we have lots left to discuss. But <laughs> they're the special effects are great, and the fact that it opens up with like a forced abortion scene basically mm-hmm. is like. That's super fucking dark. And that really establishes a tone for this movie where you're like, this isn't just like another cheesy laugh out loud kind of movie. This movie is going to go places, which ends with return throwing children into a fire. <laughs> that you're just like, they wouldn't do that in most movies. But like, I guess Kessero no. isn't most directors, right? I, I do like the fact that it gets, you know, it kind of gets lighthearted over and over again. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's all right. And then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, oh, shit. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like the first time he bumps into the uh, the weird fleshy flap armed things. 
Mm-hmm. The creatures in the woods that apparently kill you by wrapping you up in their membranous arms and then gyrating you until you turn into Nickelodeon <laughs> slime. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Those guys are awesome. It's they weird, look great. It's a weird thing. It's And it's completely fucking unexplained, too. It's just like, yeah. hey, there's these things. And you're like, okay. <laughs> when, I was like, when I was like 10, I had two stepbrothers. And w- me and one of them were about the same age, and then we had a younger one. Uh, we used to like grab blankets and like do that shit to the younger one all the time. <laughs> piss him off. Me and my brothers used to do that. He would he would get like so pissed, start yelling for his mom. <laughs> uh, so good stuff. Yeah, see, Doug, that's stuff you can do to your kid now. Yeah. Oh, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> I was I was telling Char too. Everyone can remember there was this weird point in the '80s where ferrets were a big thing. Like everybody Ooh. wanted ferrets, and I'm 90 percent sure it was just this movie. Everybody wanted Kodo and Poto. I seriously had a ferret only because of this movie. When I turned 20, I was like, "I'm fucking buying a ferret, and I'm gonna name him Kodo." Should have got two parrot, two ferrets. That would have been the right thing to do. Yeah, I know. And then when you got bored owning ferrets, you could have made them fight. Then you find out owning ferrets is not nearly as fun as you think it's going to be. Then you could have got a ginger house cat and spray painted it black. (laughs) (sighs) Anyways. Yeah, so back to the movie. We might as well discuss the incest. Because what's shocking about the incest in this movie is how completely unnecessary it is plot-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, this this girl is... like the way if, If people haven't seen the movie in a while... The way it plays out is he meets this girl. They have an immediate connection because he tries to rape her and she finds that hot. <laughs> and then he he sees her as like this slave. And then he eventually they eventually team up to go and into complete his mission of seeking revenge as well as her mission of helping to free the slaves and with the city on general. His mission to revenge gets sidetracked pretty fast. He's like, now yeah. I like this girl. I'm going to follow her across the universe. But it's but because it's an '80s fantasy film, she's coincidentally going to where the guy he wants to kill is. <laughs> That's just how it works. Um, but Which she's a slave girl, and her and her friend are just like frolicking in this lake with no yeah. supervision. Yeah, that's how it works. Because if she didn't go, because she says actually, if she doesn't go back, then they'll just kill her family. So yeah. she's kind of like she's free to wander, even though she's a slave, because she's. Can't, she'll never leave uh, for fear of the safety of people she cares about, which is actually reasonable. Um, th- but then uh, my point I was making is she's already a slave. When she finds out that her mission correlates to his mission, you would assume that that's, from a plot perspective, enough for them to team up for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So making them cousins was not necessary at all. It's just so that there would be some incest. That's why they did that. Otherwise, there would have been no incest in the movie. Technically, we don't know how they're cousins. Um, Okay. Your argument is that it's less incestuous because it might be cousins by marriage. If that's what you're going to say right now, I want you to think long and hard before you say that. Are you going to sit here and justify first cousins by marriage hooking up? Is that your argument? They're royalty. You oh, gotta fuck cousins, <laughs> but they don't know the royalty. They don't know the royalty. Um, it's so, so technically, it's Deuce Ex Machina to keep that noble blood clean, son. 
So technically, we find out the queen died when they transferred him into a cow, which is never yeah. a sentence I thought I would say. Um, Are you sure? So, so then the king, sure? the king had to have remarried to have the younger kid. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's on that mom's side that they're the right. so that cousins by marriage wants. instead of by blood. So that's that's what we're getting to here. That's how we're maybe like that's some weird logic to try and explain <laughs> away this movie, man. Luke and Leia were brother and sister. I'm just saying. And as soon as they better. found out, as soon as Luke found out, he stopped putting the moves on her. <laughs> this movie exists in a universe where everyone fights in a loincloth and the evil savage beasts wear assless chaps. Yes, incest is a thing. <sighs> I'm just saying it's weird to write it into your movie intentionally. I don't disagree. They didn't have to be cousins. That solved absolutely nothing. Yeah. All right, I just wanted to get that off my chest. It was, because it was <laughs> while I'm just getting stuff off my chest. Sure. The first the first time that he meets the John Amos character. Mm-hmm. He, so, again, another character that's conveniently on a journey on the same path as him, and they're going to now team up for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay, it's a fantasy film. I can accept that. The part I have a problem with is when he walks up to the only black guy in the whole movie. And he starts, you know, uh, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm a servant man or whatever he calls himself. And he's like, pilgrim, be a pilgrim. He calls himself a pilgrim. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think a pilgrim could use a stuff like that. That is one step away from, you don't look like you live in this neighborhood. That is, <laughs> it is right up there. He's well, clearly, he's clearly centering out the fact that this guy looks differently from everyone else. It, and technically, technically, the phrase was, I don't think I've ever seen a pilgrim, pause, <laughs> pause, pause, use a staff like that. <laughs> it is super obvious that he just does not trust him because of the skin color. And I'm like, why? Again, if that was relevant plot wise, okay, but it's not. It doesn't ever come up again. It's just like, I don't know. You're, you're, you seem awfully good at fighting with a bow staff for a black guy. Are you sure? <laughs> it's fucking weird. <laughs> I do not know why they did that in this movie, but it, it can't be unintentional. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought I'd get that out of the way. No, yeah. No, I, <laughs> so not- I noticed it too. So it's it's just it's just uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Um, so were you fans of the Death Guards? Which ones are the Death Guards? The the dudes in the S&M gear with the masks over their face. and They they pour a glowing leech into their ear to give them brain damage. <laughs> Basically, once again, this is the 80s, and uh, I apologize for using this phrase, but it's the only way to describe it. It gives them retard strength. <laughs> yes, that is... An eighties trope, and that's yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't know the non-offensive way to. There isn't say one. the offensive stereotype. There is no non-offensive way to say that. Right, right. Any exactly. and all attempts will make you get in just as much trouble without getting your point across. Um, yeah, so, so I apologize for using that word. I know it's a gross word, but no. <laughs> and yeah, I mean that scene where they're all on either side of that walkway and he has to shoot me across the top which he has 
surprisingly difficulty just using all four limbs with nothing affecting him crawling across a chain. <laughs> it's like he makes that out to be way harder than it would be for somebody who's in as good a shape as him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that ridiculous scene that served no purpose. I thought it was cool, actually. So. I was going to say one thing: this movie does that a lot of fantasy movies don't do very well. Is it does a good job of like incremental um, additions of like lore-ish shit to the world. They're like, okay, well, we need to know there's witches and magic, so let's bring the witches in at the beginning. You get a little bit of magic, you're like, okay, there's witches and magic. And then they need to exp- explain the Berserker guys they're calling through a tunnel. They're like, oh, look, well, let's take like a minute of this movie and show you one of these guys being made. Okay, move along. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, but I... I... See, I think whereas a lot of these types of movies would drop the ball and not take that minute because they wouldn't want to go that long between action sequences, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, it sets up the rules of the universe, right? You put this thing in the guy's ear, and now he's one of those guys. Perfect. Now we know where those come from. We know everything we need to know about them for the purposes of this story. Yet, ironically, they don't explain why this guy can talk to animals. A line of dialogue. Oh, must because of that time you were inside a cow. That would have been enough. <laughs> I I will say this. So as much as we talked about, so I was I was a big fan of animals whenever I was a child, and so that mm. that fed into this movie too. But nothing in my childhood, I think, caused me as much stress as those ferrets in this movie. Because <laughs> as a small child, you keep being like, "Oh no." <laughs> That one fell in the quicksand. It's gonna die. Yeah, it fell in the quicksand. Get it out. Or the, and then they're like being chased by the thing that's like smashing the pipes. You're like, oh no, one of them's gonna die. <laughs> oh, and then the end. Uh, oh, he does die. Oh, he does die, and he dies heroically. Mm-hmm. Those are very heroic ferrets overall. They're actually they're probably the most heroic of all of the animals. Yeah, because they, well, they save him at the beginning get him out of the quicksand or else none of this rest of the story would have happened <laughs> in a very short movie where he just randomly fell into quicksand and they join up with him like for no reason right well he uses his mental abilities but i guess well, i mean technically he probably just kidnaps him just puts him in his in his, in his satchel and then walks off with him no but they're like little thieves then he releases them regularly to go thieving and they and it's revealed that they just go steal stuff on their own too right because <laughs> yeah. at one point he's just like i have all this stuff that they stole and brought back to me do you want any of it <laughs> it's like i don't i didn't try to steal this my ferrets just I, like to go steal things i love the fact that basically uh the beastmaster is just a one-man D party it's like he's, he's a he's a fighter, and then he's got the tiger for a barbarian, and then he's got the ferrets for thieves, and then he's got the hawk to scout. Yeah. Well, at one point he flat out calls it out. Right? He's like, "I've assembled my team. I have my strength. I have my cunning. Right. I have my eyes." He's like, "All right. <laughs> we, we all picked up on that, but thanks for thanks for spelling it all out for us." The sequels, the sequels would have been so much better if the animals just kept getting weirder and weirder. It's like the the next movie, he just has like a, a possum and a wombat. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
and and you terrifying little hissing rat. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Do we have any uh, anything else? It's like everything in this movie, I just love. So. Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's honestly because like, I watched a few years ago now. I guess maybe three, four years ago, I sat down and watched Conan the Barbarian for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And that is a slow fucking movie because it takes itself so seriously, and everybody is acting like what they're saying matters, and it's like it's not fun to watch anymore. Mm-hmm. And like this movie, take which, it back. This, <laughs> this movie, which is very similar in its setup and everything just seems to know what's going on and just seems to be content with being the fun movie that these types of movies should be. He gets transferred into a cow in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. But like, so they don't shy away from the fucking weird darkness, no. but they also have him talking to ferrets for most of the movie. And, you know, at one point in time, like, it's super weird how coincidental everything is, but he's like, I can't help you guys with your mission. And then the chick's like, well, I'll kiss you. And then you'll want to. And he's like, all right, I'll help you with your mission. (laughs) And then, then they find out that their missions are the same thing after that. (laughs) And it's like, all right, that's a weird coincidence, but so is everything that happens in these types of movies. Like it doesn't make any sense to have a character riding through a forest and meet up with someone. And then they're going to be together the rest of the movie. There's no way to have that make sense. So by having this be like a fun movie, you just kind of forget about that shit. You're like, yeah, it's ridiculous, but look at what I'm fucking watching here. <laughs> guys, guys having a chit chat with ferrets at night around the campfire. I can't really question why he just made friends with this like giant black man with a who's running around with a kid, and now they're just going to hang out the rest of the movie. I can't ask that question. That that question doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> So going mm. back to Conan, he drinks a vulture's blood, man. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Beastmaster wouldn't have to drink his blood. He would just be friends with him. And if he did want to drink his blood, he'd just be like, hey, buddy, can I have some of your blood? And the thing would like cut himself a little bit. Nobody has to die. Nobody has to really get seriously hurt. That's, that's a way fucking darker movie. <laughs> you wound yourself so that I may sup upon your blood. <laughs> Well, I think he would find a willing vulture. <laughs> I think he would find a willing vulture. I don't know. And that's, I guess that's one of the questions. Does he control the animals or does he simply communicate with the animals? Uh, he simply communicates. He says uh, they can see through each other's eyes and they both know each other's thoughts. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, it looks, it looks like if he, he concentrates on an animal, he can crocodile Dundee it. And, and then they have the quickening like Highlander 2 and they're just connected from that on. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like it's not, again, goes completely unexplained, but sometimes I think he's like, certainly with the tiger, he seems to be telling it what to do. Mm-hmm. But with the ferrets, they clearly have a mind of their own. And yeah. he's just kind of like, they've they've joined his team, but they still kind of like run off and do their own thing, which is weird. Maybe the the tiger feels like it has a life debt because he saved him from getting killed by those soldiers. So he's like, I have to do whatever this guy tells me to do. Yeah. 
maybe it's easier for them to train a tiger than it is for them to train ferrets. So they just did different types of tricks on set. <laughs> I will say, so Char watched this one with me and her biggest comment was, so she, you know, she's a history person. So she was like, I have no idea what the setting of this is supposed to be. And she's like, it looks like Roman stuff, but all their names sound like, like cavemen names. And then the, the pyramids, a Mayan pyramid. <laughs> No, it's just a it's just a random fantasy world where you can bring in whatever you feel like. Yeah, did you show her uh, Beastmaster two? And then she's like, "Oh, okay, it's all bullshit." I did, I did, I did not. But I was, I was really tempted to watch Beastmaster two, and then I was like, "Man, I remember it just being so bad." Yeah, who the hell would want to watch like Mark Singer transported to the future while acting like an old timey character? That would be uh, stupid. You know, say, we did team up the wrong Beastmaster with the next movie, though. That's true. We should, it really should have been Beastmaster two and uh, the other one. But um, before we move on, uh, from what I remember, Don Coscarelli's autobiography, he really wanted to get the the end shot where the ferret sticks its face out and the the ferret and the tiger like touch noses. <laughs> and the animal wrangler kept trying to talk him out of it because he's like. You know, tigers pretty much eat stuff about the same size as the ferrets, right? He's like, oh, come on. We can make it work. It'll be good. And so they, <laughs> they did it under duress. They really didn't want to do it. And they were all super prepared that if the tiger opened his mouth to just run, get those ferrets as far away as possible. Well, yeah. I, I tiger told Char while that was going on. I was like, how many ferrets do you think died before they got that shot? <laughs> None, actually. <laughs> they actually got it the first take, and then, you know, everybody was quiet on the set, you know, roll. You know, they push, sort of push the ferret up so he comes out a little bit. And they were both curious about each other, so they just kind of smelled each other, touched noses. And Don Coscarelli's like, and cut. And then the guy was like, all right, started walking away, getting as many ferrets away from those tigers as much as possible. Well, one has to assume that was a very well-fed tiger. Because I'm gonna assume so, yeah. Tigers like you say they eat things the size of ferrets, but they're well known to attack human beings. Who oh, sure, sure. Them. So I'm not saying that's his entire dinner. I'm just saying he'll, he'll scoop up a rodent and just swallow a hole. Yeah, but I mean the fact that like there's no stories about the humans being attacked by this because they made the mistake of standing mm-hmm. with their back to the tiger and it was no, not just like because they I, I think they're like house cats in that they will kill things for fun as well as for food mm-hmm. because cats are evil little creatures <laughs> cats are the only domesticated animals that kill just for fun i think <laughs> right like does anybody else like like no nobody has a dog that kills like anim- other animals just because it wants to it'll kill yeah, it. i would say i would say that's not true Gr- growing up on a farm we had plenty of dogs that would kill rabbits just because they it want, ran they wouldn't want to eat them no they would just bring it up and pop it down on the porch and be done with it. I think the the biggest moral of this story is if you come across weird membranous winged creatures somewhere, convince them that you're a friend of their weird bird god and then they will dissolve your enemies later. <laughs> so give, you a, give you a medallion that essentially is like a text message for them. And the bird will take it back to them and they'll show up and just digest people and with their wings. Yeah. Which would be a really handy group of friends to have, I think. Yeah. 
Um, so my dad actually made me a Beastmaster sword because, like, I was obsessed with this movie. I watch it all yeah. the time. That's awesome. So he like carved one like out of wood. Um, it was just like a, I don't know, essentially like a, a thin pointy stick. I mean, it was just like a sword, and then like tore up a bed sheet and like wrapped the handle and stuff. And man, that thing was like my favorite thing in the world. And I don't remember if it was me or one of my friends, but I think one of us hit like a fence or something and then it broke. Oh no. That was like the saddest day ever. <sighs> I, had a, I had a favorite toy sword when I was a kid. Like it's just one of those plastic ones. And I remember like I had a bunch, but there was one that I really liked because it was bigger than the others. So I'd always like, mm-hmm. I'd always make my friends sword fight with me, and then I'd get the big long one, and I'd be able to hit them from further away where they couldn't hit me. <laughs> you were a jerk. <laughs> but the other day, I found it in my in like a shed in my parents' backyard. It's still in. It's like covered in cobwebs. I sprayed it with a hose and gave it to my kid and let him chase his cousins around. <laughs> nice. Other people are like, "Why did you give him something that he can hit the other kids with?" And I'm like, "Cause that toy's awesome. You leave him alone. He's allowed to do this." <laughs> Uh, um all right so like we said just just assume that the beastmaster ended after the first movie don't ever watch the other two movies because they are it's very very terrible i feel like if you watch those other movies you're getting what you deserve like it's pretty clear that they're terrible and i haven't seen them yeah yeah it's like it's almost like so it's almost like they had the he-man cartoon and they're like, oh, shit, yeah, let's do that for this movie. And then the He-Man movie came out. And they're like, oh, fuck, we can do that, too. We'll just send Beastmaster to the, well, I don't know, to the future or whatever. And then that was terrible. So they shouldn't. They should not do that, I guess. And I think the third one was like a straight to TNT type movie. Yeah, it's made for television. Yeah, and not in an era where there have been various eras throughout the years where it was okay to be made for television. Mm -hmm. This was not one of them. No. And then there's a TV series. It's not bad. Yeah, but it was like a complete, like different kind of thing. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. But it's yeah, it's an okay watch. I think it only went for like two seasons. Yeah, I don't know. I know Mark Singer showed up on it at some point. It was some other weird character. Yeah. But uh, in the meantime, he did a movie called Lancelot Guardian of Time. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. Noah, why don't you give us a rundown of Lancelot Guardian of Time? Uh, So Lancelot Guardian of Time is a fantasy romance comedy uh, about Sir Lancelot. I don't believe that it's any of those things. Sir Sir Lancelot uh, is given a mission from Merlin. Uh, to be sent back in time to the years before Arthur became king to save a young squire. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, he goes back. Uh, he gets into a tussle with a wizard. And that wizard takes the boy and jumps through time again. Now they're in the future. He meets some people, has some adventures, saves the day. The end. Did I mention the evil wizard is John Saxon? <laughs> So there's lots of people in this movie that I don't understand or why they're in this movie. John Saxon's one of them. It's got a really good cast. Uh, Mark Singer, of course, as we mentioned. 
Um, and then the guy that played Styles in the first Teen, Teen Wolf movie. I like that you don't pretend to know his name. I have no idea who he is. He's always just going to be Styles from first. No, that's movie. that's fair. Yeah. And I'm disappointed because he didn't call anybody Dick Nose the entire movie. That has got to be upsetting. So Noah, what did you think of this movie? So here's the thing. I went into this thinking this is going to be a slog and it's going to be awful. And the opening credits open and the opening credits are way too fucking long. <laughs> way too long. Like, I I don't know how long you sit there, but it's significant. And then, of course, a Mark Singer pops up with the most glorious medieval mullet you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh, and But once the movie gets going, I actually really liked it. It was I fucking wood. Oh yes, my god! Say you would listen. It's it's it never takes itself seriously. It's it's ridiculous. It's just this fun, crazy story, and the the main cast. So you've got Mark Singer and John Saxon and uh, what's her face? I can't remember what the lady. I already forgot it. Chick's name. And the, and. They're all three charismatic enough that it doesn't matter that they're doing dumb shit. Like, they're still entertaining because, I mean, John fucking Saxon. John, John Saxon playing a cheesy evil wizard is awesome because it's John Saxon playing a cheesy evil wizard. All right. I don't know. I just thought it. I thought it was fun. I'm not. I'm not arguing that it's a good movie because it's clearly not a good movie. Although. It might be a good kids movie. I could totally see kids having a lot of enjoyment out of this, but it's badly edited. I mean, the concept's ridiculous. How many kids do you know? Oh, like seven, <laughs> maybe. Out of those seven, who who all do you think would enjoy this movie? At least four of them. No, you're a liar. The correct answer is zero. Incorrect. They are nerds. They put stuff movie, with swords and shit in it. This movie is fucking terrible. Guys are so hateful. And listen, the people on IMDb agree with me. It has a 4.2 rating on IMDb. It has a it has a 4.2 rating because it has seven reviews. Six of them are good reviews, and one of them is a one-star review. Yeah, but the only good review I read, because I did glance at those, it starts with I'm a sucker for anything with Mark Singer in it. Right. So that was no, either written they, by him or by his mom. That's listen, it. they it has, all it has a four point two out of ten. You're saying yeah. good? No, I'm saying so. Six of them are like seven stars and above, oh, and then fuck. one is a one that ruins the average. <laughs> Your fucking weird maple leaf fan logic, where you go through and try to use something other than the traditional maple. rating system. Yeah. This is what Toronto Maple Leafs fans do. They oh. sit there and they say, yeah, <laughs> your, your team might have won more Stanley Cups than us, but we won more games on Tuesdays in February between 72 and 77, so take that. Um, That's not what anyways. I'm saying. I'm saying if you look at the reviews of it on IMDb, all That's of them except for one it, are good. That's not how you do it. You don't you don't have – that's not the system for determining it. The system is average or whatever, and the average is the 4.2. That's how you rate movies on that on that's that scale. You don't get to make up a new way to do it in order to try to make yourself sound right. Oh, I don't give a shit. 
It's a good movie. Dude, then why are you arguing? It's fun. It's entertaining. No, you guys, you that's what I'm saying. The problem is, is once again, you have a bunch of people that like it. You have one guy that doesn't like it. You're like, it's got a four <laughs> out of ten. That's, that's fucking stupid. That's, that's how the scale has worked since IMDb has existed. You're making up a new set of rules now to try to make yourself seem right, but you're not right. <laughs> The four is calculated using the same rating system as every other movie on an IMDb. Right. You know, you know how statistics work, right? When you have a small sampling size, what happens? It's less accurate. The smaller the sampling size is. Yeah, you're right, because it should be much lower. And if you <laughs> if you went out and got a lot more than seven people to watch this movie and review it, you'd get a lot more negative reviews. Because most people are going to start with the fucking concept that they're sending Lancelot back after a fucking childish fucking King Arthur who's a... Oh, I hate that fucking character. <laughs> and, I mean, and, you, don't, you don't love the fact that they dressed him up like uh, King Arthur uh, as Wart from Sword in the Stone. No. Oh, <laughs> you're no fun. You're no fun. I'm trying to think of like, okay, I, I will. I'm, I'm gonna let's put the negativity aside. I'll look for the positive elements in this film. I'll do the best I can because I just finished watching the movie. Like, I don't know, right before we started recording. So with the T-Rex skeleton. Yes. King, King Arthur ate Sackward's wiener in this in this movie. Come on, we're talking about the hot dog stealing scene. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're coming up nice. with. That's a positive moment in the film. I'm not saying that's a positive. I'm it's, just saying, come on, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I I didn't know Zach Ward was in this. So when he popped I'm up, just I saying, was like, oh. I just I don't understand how you can't find that hilarious with this <laughs> weird looking kid with his terrible medieval bowl cut. He's just cramming hot dogs in his but here's Here's how stupid this fucking movie is, right? <laughs> so, so we have that scene. He sneaks up on these like these bros that are playing volleyball together, a group of dudes playing volleyball together in the park. Already I got a problem with those guys. He sneaks <laughs> up on them and he's stealing their hot dogs and that leads to a little confrontation. And they end up having his back because whatever because it's a stupid movie so now later they're friends with that guy and they help him fight off uh, whatever those demony things are you know what they are they are medieval equivalents of putties from power rangers <laughs> sure and which once again that's fucking awesome no it's not yeah, it it's objectively not <laughs> anyways so so okay so they have that whole thing that happens right which that whole segment of the movie is complete filler because they have Arthur escape just to be recaptured like 15 minutes later has no relevance to the story whatsoever, but they did that. They set up these characters. Then in the finale of the movie, Lancelot is riding through the park on his horse because that lady's brand new Mustang wouldn't start at the most inconvenient time possible. (laughs) He's like sword drawn riding his horse he rides right by those guys. They all look up and see him, and I'm like, oh, those guys are going to join the fight. No, they don't. That's it. He just rode by them, and they saw him, and then that's it. <laughs> they just went back to playing fucking volleyball, because nothing in this movie pays off. In and, the fact that, and the fact that he rides a white Mustang through the entire movie, that's a good joke. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. A good joke. <laughs> it's not a good joke. 
it's just I, I didn't even put that together until yeah, you said it's it. Just, and that's it's just stupid. one white Mustang or the other white Mustang. It's not. That's not funny. I I just think you guys were too slow to get the joke. No, it's the joke's not funny. It doesn't matter whether you get it or not. I I disagree, sir. <laughs> but again, like, and this movie is just, it's so full of stupid nonsense, similar to the other movie, except the other movie kind of handles it well and sets it in a, this weird fantasy universe. But like, he just, he, he magically gets transported to the beach. We're not really given any explanation as to how he got to this beach. Alone, right? Because he's, he does his weird, weird right? he, he does a weird, yeah, he does a weird John Connery thing. He's going back to protect the kid. And then that gets fucked up, and they all get dragged into modern day Los Angeles through the magic portal or whatever the fuck. And then the guy goes to send him back in time and accidentally sends him across town to a beach instead. Makes no sense because the only thing that that magic stone has been used for the whole movie is to travel through time. How come when he sent it, when he used it, it didn't send him through time? It sent him through across town. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But then he coincidentally meets up with a kid or a guy. I don't know how old that character is supposed to be. He's either a teenager or he's 32. I'm not sure. But who's drawing pictures of what I think is Lancelot and Arthur, but then he doesn't know who they are because that story doesn't exist in this universe. So he's just drawing pictures of medieval knights on the beach for some reason. And that's who he happens to meet, the first person he meets. And we're supposed to just be okay with that? Yeah, I'm good with it. And then that guy lives in his older sister's house, who's a writer who has... He was drawing pictures at nights. He probably lives with his older sister. <laughs> <laughs> that part I should stand Yeah. Hard to argue. But I feel like either that should have been a much younger person, and then that could have been his mom, or get rid of the stupid forced in romance angle and have that be his wife. Either way, that's fine. But having it be his sister doesn't really, I don't know. I don't know that many sisters who like their brothers enough to let them live in their houses clearly rent free. Cause in the middle of a work day, he's on the beach drawing pictures of nights. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say the only part of this movie I liked is when they went on the internet because I had nostalgic <laughs> feelings for 1997 internet. I did. I enjoyed the like the slow loading page, and then the fact that he's like, "Does this box foretell the future?" And I thought, like that joke, even though it's very even by 1997 standards, it was a played out joke. But the idea of someone from the past seeing like a computer and being whoa, like I don't understand this, <laughs> always made me laugh. Even though I recognize that it's probably not a good joke because happened constantly <laughs> I remember when I tried to say I was going to say something positive about this movie <laughs> you just couldn't make it happen I, no I, I, I got one I got it. John Saxon mm -hmm. I was scared when I saw his name on the IMDB page I legitimately got sad and I was like oh no maybe I should say I couldn't find a copy of this <laughs> but he delivers a very similar performance in this to uh, what was that other movie we did with him in it? My Mom's a Werewolf? Is that the one we did? His toe sucking sure? this movie was yeah. impressive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way back in the day. And it's like he just knows how to switch from being serious John Saxton to campy John Saxton in this 
perfect way. And and I he his behavior is very similar in every movie he's in, but he just knows how to turn on that camp and make it work. And he does that in this movie in a way that nobody else does because everybody else is, seems to be taking it like as if they're acting. He recognizes what he's doing and he's just having fun with it. So I think he does a very good job with his performance. It's just then he's not given anything interesting to do, really. You can call me Sir or Mr. Wolf. You have to cut it out with the Malords. <laughs> See, you're laughing at that as if it's funny, but it's not. But it is funny. <laughs> you just have no sense of humor. <sighs> the other thing that pissed me off, because we mentioned that the... CGI dinosaur looks pretty good. Like it's not; it doesn't look good by today's. No, standards. it looks bad. But, but, it's but nineteen ninety-seven standards, I actually think it looks pretty good. Like it, that could have been in like a fantasy TV show. Like in see, this would be the around this time of season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, you. That's how good CGI looked at that point. Okay, and it's all right. And it's first of all, I mean, the only thing that really annoyed me about it was the sound effects, because every time he hit the dinosaur with it, they played the sound effect of two swords hitting, which, I don't know if you guys know this, but dinosaurs are made out of different things than swords are made out of. What? <laughs> yeah, if you hit a sword to a dinosaur bone, it's not going to sound like it's hitting metal. But, but then, immediately after that, like, that guy gets turned into a frog for no reason, and the fucking CGI frog is terrible. It looks like a cartoon, like like old like '80s CGI, where they wasn't really CGI. They would just have somebody manually draw it in a cartoon character. That's like what they did, and I'm like, I don't understand why you didn't use the same technology used to animate that dinosaur to animate that frog. I don't get it. Why would you use worse technology one scene later? Also, why do you turn him into a frog just to turn him back to a person like two minutes of screen time later? Mm, no arbitrary villainry. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. Me neither. I spent a lot of the movie on my phone because I did not enjoy it. So, yeah, I was doing laundry and I made a conscious decision not to, not to pause the movie when I went to like switch the load over. I don't think I'm gonna miss anything. <laughs> oh, oh, see, that's the problem. You missed out on the context of the deep, rich jokes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you like. As, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I don't think that that was a joke with the Mustang thing. I think that's what's called a coincidence, and I think you've decided it's a joke. But I don't think that they intended it as a joke. I bet you if you were to track down the director of this film, he and you pointed that out, he'd be like, oh, I did do that, didn't I? They hovered on the Mustang logo four different times during the movie. Yeah, probably because of the product placement. <laughs> Listen... I think you saw this movie. If a Mustang had given them some money, this movie would be higher quality. No, I think that somewhere there's a guy with some sweet Mustang money in his pocket <laughs> who's going, I can't believe they let me call that a movie. He spent all that on Coke, though, so now he works the night shift at Arby's. Well, now I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, he's clever, guy. clever enough to steal Ford's money, but not clever enough to hang on to it. <laughs> No, I thought this movie was terrible. Uh, it's just from the get-go. It's like the the idea of the movie is a stupid one. The idea that Sir Lancelot travels back in time to save a childhood King Arthur, but then childhood King Arthur and Lancelot get transferred to modern times. It's like That's a dumb story. It'd be very, very difficult to make anything 
not terrible out of that idea. And they were they didn't do anything spectacular to make me go, oh, I guess they pulled it off. And then the stupid the final fight of the movie. This uh, again, the whole fucking movie takes place in present day Los Angeles, and then for the final fight, they go back to the old timey stuff. Well, have your final fight like in the middle of a fucking modern Los Angeles. That's the whole supposed to be the whole fun of the movie. Have them swinging their swords and shit on a big road with crowds gathering and cars crashing around them and stuff. Don't have them travel back in time and have their fight there. That doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know. And once again, I'm sure you didn't find it awesome, but watching Mark Singer using his terrible sword play to fight an invisible sword is is pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I I can see why someone would enjoy that on the it's so bad it's good level. Doesn't mean I did. And then... The other weird thing was like the Lancelot's friend in the like in the old time era, where he was just back there in medieval times and he was helping Lancelot fight, and then they all come forward. The rest of the movie happens, and then they go back, and that guy's just still there waiting to finish the fight. So like I guess in his perception, not a lot of time had passed, but it's weird that he was still just hanging out in the same spot as he was when they left. Lancelot, guardian time. <laughs> Recommend. We should we should also point out how terrible this movie is to women because that poor girl is like she literally is like at the beginning of the movie talking to her friend about how come there's no good guys around anymore and her friend's response is I think we chased him away with like fascist feminism (laughs) (laughs) and then her solution to that is to travel back, give up her entire life where she was like a successful person who owned a nice home in Los Angeles like that. It's not a cheap neighborhood they were living in. She, so she must have been a very successful writer. And she gives that all up, leaves her little brother with nowhere to go because he's not getting a job, you know that. And just travels back in time to live in like what would be a terrible, terrible life with a guy that she's known for like a day and a half. And it's like, oh, like... That's not the right message. The right, like that's that's not what you do. This movie was made in 1997, not 1952. You can't have that. It is weird. She just left her brother to just come home and be like, "Sis." <laughs> she didn't even give him the option of going. He was super into all the nights that, and shit. By the way, that brother's gonna go to prison for her murder because she's going to go missing and they're going to be like "Uh uh-huh her unemployed brother lives in the house with her and she goes missing he wanted the house and the life insurance money and he'd be like look there was a guy on a horse (laughs) don't don't try to lie to us he's like i'm I'm serious there's a sorcerer with the stone damn it there's a group of guys playing volleyball in the park right now who can corroborate my story Uh, just don't need to do their hot dogs (laughs) <laughs> they get really pissed about that. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> do we need to say anything more about Lancelot Guardian of Time? Noah, do you want to defend this movie it's, anymore? Or we move it's on. Up? It's on Amazon Prime. Watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Email Amazon and ask them to have it removed. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be
soon as you get your book read on vacation? I did not. Yeah, you lost <laughs> no, your bet. Not, not even close. <laughs> no, I <laughs> didn't get to sit in his chair either. So, <laughs> uh, there was one morning where I was about to tell my kid not to go in the lake because he still has pajamas on, mm. and I just fucking said, "Fuck it, do whatever you want." Like I don't care. He had his pajamas and a life jacket on, so I'm like, I guess he's fine. And he goes in the lake, and then I like pulled out my phone and looked at it, and it was 7.15 in the morning. It's already in the water. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's that's the relaxing vacation I've planned for myself. 7.15. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Well, Doug, you've been gone for a while on vacation. Did you uh, Have you watched anything since last time? Uh, I have watched some things. Although it's weird because Noah usually goes first, so I was not emotionally no. prepared for this. Well, no, um, first. I watched nothing. <laughs> oh shit! Good, good job. Um, no, I, no, I actually watched a few things. Um, so while I was away, I watched a, one of those movies that I wanted to watch in the '80s, based on the box art, and never got around to it. <laughs> a movie called The Dead Pit. You guys seen that one? Uh, no. Trying to remember. <laughs> I, I was trying to remember between the Dead Pit and just the Pit. No, yeah, different movies altogether. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Dead Pit is about. It opens up with like this mental institution, and there's this doctor doing evil experiments, drilling into the brains of some of the patients and literally throwing their bodies into a pit, which is where the title comes from. <laughs> um, another doctor catches him, and it, I, first, I, it's been you know a little over a week since I saw it, so I'm not, I don't think there's ever a reason stated why he just shoots him in the head instead of calling the authorities, um, but then throws his body into the pit. And again, instead of reporting this, he barricades up that basement so that nobody else will go down there and moves on with his life. Fast forward 20 years, there's a, a Jane Doe is brought into the mental institution who has been sent there because she has lost her memory and insists that she did not lose it and that it was in fact taken from her. Um, she also seems to have some sort of psychic powers, but it's not really clear what. And anyways, it turns out that the reanimated doctor is back at it and he's back to doing his experiments and he's eventually reanimates all the corpses that were in that dead pit and six them on the hospital. Which is pretty ridiculous and crazy, but the movie was surprisingly good because it just had some great 80s gore. It had the weird, like, stupid 80s dream sequences that don't make any sense that are kind of fun to watch. It was, uh, if you're in the mood for 80s horror, I'd recommend it. It's... It's the kind of thing where it's like the one guy, one of the other patients that she meets in the hospital is like, he just drops a line early on that he was like a, before, like he, I forget why he's in, in this mental institution, but it's like before that I was in the service and I knew how to, I was like a, an explosives expert. So why'd you bring that up if it's not going to come in? Oh, look, he's going to help her take down some of the hospital later. <laughs> what a weird coincidence. That's, it's just, it's that kind of movie. And I don't know, the, the reanimated corpses of uh, mental patients that were experimented on in the 60s, killing people. That's something I enjoy watching. 
the evil doctor is pretty cool and he has the bullet hole in his head from when he was killed in the first scene stays there for the rest of the movie so when he's walking around and his like full doctor get up with like one of those little masks on that they wear for breathing and then he's got the bullet hole it looks pretty great kills are fun so I'm glad I tracked that one down based on having walked by the box art in 1989 and wanted to see it back then yeah I've never seen it before so yeah like I I think it's something you'd enjoy it's again it's not it's not great and it's probably not even objectively good but if you're a fan of 80s horror kind of that that period it's fun I think it came out in like 89 so it's right at the tail end before the 90s kicked in and kind of I don't know early 90s horror I find is when they start to go downhill for a little while because they were just pumping stuff out cheap in order to get the or to get it on video store shelves. Yeah, so there was that. Uh, and then I made it out to theaters to see Crawl. Yeah. A killer alligator movie. How was that? It's been on my uh, list. I want to see it. Yeah, it. it's a really fun movie. It's a really stupid movie. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting, <laughs> so, no. expecting Shakespeare. No, it's like... Okay, so like the whole plot is there's a hurricane... This girl goes back to look for her father, who's like in the hurricane zone. She finds him in the crawl space underneath his house. And he's been injured because he was attacked by an alligator. Hurricane comes in. They're now trapped in the house with the alligators. There's some more alligators outside by sheer coincidence, I think. <laughs> like, the story doesn't make any sense. The alligators aren't behaving the way any alligator would ever behave. Um, but we get lots of fun scenes of like alligators chasing her. Of course, she's a competitive swimmer who just needs to learn to believe in herself so she can swim just a little bit faster. <laughs> That's the opening of the movie. That's what we're told. And guess what she learns how to do later in the movie? <laughs> like, it's pretty predictable. And it's like, you know. Um, but yeah, then the alligators eat. Like, some random people show up at the gas station that's across the street from the house they're trapped in and uh, alligators eat those people so that was fun and then some some police come looking to help save survivors so you think maybe they're about to be saved but then alligators eat those guys that's fun so yeah if you want to see alligators eating people oh yeah uh, alligators that alligators that growl by the way when they're (laughs) so you know uh, it's fun on that level it is the one problem with it is it is directed by Alexander Aja. Mm-hmm. And that guy, as much as he does like gore well and he does like visual directing well most of the time, his complete inability to tell a story on film is sort of fascinating. <laughs> um, so in this particular movie, like there's a scene where she crawls through this like long pipe and she's having to be all quiet so alligators won't chase her and stuff. And you're like, all right. And she gets through and she finds like the alligator nest. And she actually finds like a little alligator eggs and she accidentally crushes one because she's crawling and can't see where she's going. So you would think that finding the alligator nest would be like the climax of the movie. It's it's not though. It's just a (laughs) random thing that happens in the middle of the movie. And you're like, well, why is that happening then? (laughs) Like that, that's a weird pacing moment to just stop and have that. 
but then she has a confrontation with one of the alligators while there and it is super fun to watch. I won't even spoil it for you if you haven't seen the movie yet. It's maybe my favorite alligator moment in cinema history. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then there's like, it's it's a lot of stuff like that. It's a lot of just, you know, like why do characters show up for no reason? Um, I mentioned those guys that were at the gas station across the street that got eaten. Like one of those guys is up on their boat and the alligators jump up and take him out. Yet somehow when our lead characters make it to the boat, they're completely safe on the boat. Well, why are they safe on the boat if the last guy on the boat was? But you're not supposed to think about any of that shit. Hmm. Like, Aja has made, like, different types of movies throughout his career. And, like, you think back to, like, High Tension. That's a movie that was really well done until the ending. And it's like, you're like, yeah, yeah you, you don't know how to tell a story. And then you go with, like, Piranha 3D, and you're like, well, that's a, a really super fun movie that nobody ever complains about. But objectively speaking, I find the storytelling very poor in that too. It's just, it's a funny, dumb movie, so you don't care as much, right? Yeah. I still remember watching that, and when the like the bigger fish is revealed at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a stinger, but I didn't realize it was the end of the movie the first time I watched it. I was like... <laughs> Oh, cool! There's gonna be a bigger one. What's gonna happen next? Oh, that was the climax. Oh, all right. <laughs> and the sequel never answered that question at all. No, no. Why would it? Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, uh, his directing is fine for this type of movie where it's just a dumb, you know, fun movie. I like this movie like I like Deep Blue Sea. I don't, I don't analyze no. it too much because if you think about it too hard. Why are alligators behaving that way? Well, there's talk that he may be the one taking over the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and he shouldn't. <laughs> I think I, I think I actually made a comment on this earlier today on Facebook or somewhere like that, where I was like, "Yeah, let him co-direct. Let him do some of the visuals and stuff. Maybe it'd be cool." But have somebody else there to figure out, like how to make people act and how to make the, the how to make the story flow kind of thing because he clearly he can't do it not to be trusted no i mean and, and again like you know on, on a project like crawl it's like that's fine i'll take that it's a fun funny movie it's fu- i mean funny in the sense that is it is it funny to watch people get eaten by alligators i happen to think it is um, <laughs> but long, you know as long as it's a movie and not real life Sure. Eh, either way. <laughs> Not a people person. So. Um, yeah. So that's Crawl. I, I, I recommend it. If you're thinking about seeing it, I'd recommend seeing it. You know, if you're like, I don't know, then don't. Because it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not one of those ones that's going to win you over by being something yeah. like great. It's just if, if you need to be convinced to see it, you you shouldn't go see it. No, and like actually, I went with my girlfriend, and she didn't want to go. She's like, "We should go to a movie," and I'm like, "There's really nothing playing that I want to see except this." And I don't think you're gonna want to see it. And she's like, she watches the trailer, and she's like, "Seriously?" And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, "What about like I forget what what she wanted, Rocket Man or something?" And I was like, "Yeah." Are they playing at the same time? We could just drive to the theater together and to go into different rooms. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'll see your alligator movie. And like throughout the movie, like whenever something would happen, like whenever the alligators would attack somebody, and she'd look at me like, 
what the fuck? And I just have a smile on my face. And she's like, why are you happy about that? And I'm like, because that alligator ate that guy. And then remember when that guy was a dick 30 seconds earlier, so nobody would be sad about him dying. Awesome. Right. (laughs) That's those guys were stealing from that gas station and then they get eaten by alligators because they deserved it. So there you go. (laughs) Well, I'll have to make it a point to go see it. Yeah. And I don't think I spoiled too much for you there. I think when you get to it, it doesn't seem like it's a movie that can be spoiled that much. No. So. Like, I will say it does like the multiple climax thing. Mm. And I found that very strange, even though I kind of didn't hate any of the moments. I'm like, just end already. Like, why do you keep having these? It, it, it reminded me of the first time I saw Speed in theaters. And I'm like, you think it's over? then another thing happens you think it's over and then another thing happens do you remember that ending of speed yeah you're like all of a sudden there's like trains crashing you know this movie is a bus what the hell and you're like okay all right i'm fine with it like because this is a ridiculous movie it can have a ridiculous ending and that's sort of how i felt watching Mm. Um, so yeah uh and the uh the only other thing i watched was stranger things season three Oh yeah, which I did not think I'd have time to get through, but I managed to pull it off by not sleeping as much as you're supposed to. <laughs> You've did seen you, it, Brian. I've seen it. Did you finish it, Noah? Do what now? Did you finish Stranger Things? Uh, no, I've got two episodes left. Okay. Oh, you had last week. Good lord. I haven't had. I didn't watch anything. Did you not hear me say nothing? Still. <laughs> So what did you think of it, Brian? I'll try to keep it spoiler-free until Noah's seen it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's kind of over-the-top and ridiculous, but that's also one of the things I like about it. Yeah, I find they've definitely given up on trying to be anything other than just a series of 80s references. No. Um, you know, that's that's what they want to do. They just want to be having fun. And like you say, it's ridiculous. It's over-the-top. Yeah a monster to fight and we're all going to somehow quote 80s movies on the way to it yeah um the one big singing scene that everybody's happy about i'm like that is really (laughs) self-indulgent but then again i'm like if i was a huge fan of that particular 80s movie i'd probably love that moment too Um, yeah i enjoyed it yeah i just i didn't grow up on that movie the way other people did so (laughs) it's that's all um i will call it out on its bullshit uh yeah. Way too many Terminator 2 references. That is, a, <laughs> okay. that is a 90s movie, and that is cheating. You guys are an <laughs> 80s throwback show. You, you save those references for, like, season six or whatever when you're into the 90s. You can just say it's just a Terminator reference, not a Terminator 2? No. Um, right. There's, oh, okay, there's, I'm trying to think of how to not spoil it for Noah. But the hallway scene when they're in the mall and they's chasing him through the hallway yeah. in behind the uh, in behind the shops is way too Terminator 2. That guy might as well have a shotgun inside a box of roses at that point. <laughs> Alright. So, and there's there's another one but it would be spoilery for Noah so we'll discuss right. it later. Um, just, yeah. It's, it's a two on the nose for anything. But, uh, hmm. yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I, the best way I would describe it to people would be to say this is the kind of show where you're like, 
the two people are being the two teenagers are being interrogated by the Russian agents mm-hmm. <laughs> because of course Russian bad guys in this movie in yeah. this show. and you're like okay and the Russian and I'm like are we supposed to believe that these Russians think the teenagers who are in their scoops ahoy uniforms <laughs> are um are we supposed to believe that they are like they they think these kids are spies like why would these kids be spies that doesn't make any sense and just as i'm starting to think a little too much about that the russians drug those kids up and then those kids end up watching back to the future and they're standing (laughs) around all high as fuck debating time travel from back to the future and i'm like i don't care anymore that's great and like there's so many like little i bet you you could watch this season is specifically you could probably watch it 10 times and every time you'll find new little easter eggs and references to old 80s and mm. stuff and there's lines that are taken straight from die hard and lines that are taken straight from jaws and lines that are taken like there's certain scenes someone pointed out to me i want to say someone i think it was like on a youtube video that like early in the movie one of the characters actually stands up and he like goes to put his pants on and he falls over and if you play that side by side with like the Back to the Future scene where Marty does that, it's almost identical. And I had even remotely picked up on that. No, um, me neither. Little details like that that I'm sure there's a bunch in there that I don't know about. Because even when I tried to go down the rabbit hole of watching the YouTube Easter egg videos, I would be disagreeing with them <laughs> on some of them. <laughs> <laughs> like some of them, they'd be referenced. They'd be like, "This is clearly a reference to this," and I'd be like, "No, I don't think it is." Like I, f- I forget one. They were they were saying something like the Scoops Ahoy uniforms were references to something, and I'm like, "I think those are a reference to Fast Times at Ridgemont High." Just when that when uh, Judd Nelson's character had to get dressed up in the funny uniform to go out, and he was all embarrassed <laughs> to be seen in public in it. Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Sorry, yeah. what did I say? Judge Nelson. Judd Nelson. That's a very different character, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have to. I'm glad you corrected me. You've saved me some emails. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it. People are saying it's the best of all three. I don't think I agree with that, but man, the le- the lesser of the Stranger Things seasons is still better than a lot of stuff. So, so you I'll take it. Where do you rank it then? Uh, I still think the first season's still my favorite, but I mean, I think. That's because there's so much mystery to everything that yeah. that sort of roller coaster is a lot of fun. And when you get a lot of that stuff answered, like for season two, I don't feel like it was as fun, but it was still pretty good. So I still think it's like the third third best maybe, but I mean. Okay. See, I'd probably put this one ahead of season two. Just because yeah. I thought, I feel like this one, they just embraced <laughs> the fact that we're not doing mystery stuff anymore. We're not, like they just, Oh, so we're just this cheesy '80s throwback show? Okay, no. let's do that. Let's let's put the cop in the Magnum PI shirt and just have mm-hmm. him running around look like that. Because why not? Have you seen the Hopper PI video? Ah, uh, no, I intentionally didn't watch it because I hadn't. When it started popping up on Facebook, I hadn't seen it yet. So uh, it's yeah, it's pretty fantastic. You should watch it. All right. Um. All right. I only watched two things, and they're kind of related. Um, so I watched The Death of Superman, and then followed that up with Reign of the Superman. Right. I've talked about both of those in the show before. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I bought both of these on sale, and then the next day, uh, was told that they're coming out with like a combined version that just puts them all together in one long movie, which I probably would have preferred. And I was like, God damn it! Oh well. I don't know. That'd be an awfully long movie, though, wouldn't it? Uh, they're both about eighty minutes. Yeah, so I don't know if I want to watch a three-hour Superman cartoon personally. I did with the uh, Dark Knight Returns because they split up that up into two parts. Yeah, and I think that's much better than the two-parter. Okay. Um, so one of the things that bothered me is, especially during Death of Superman, they have to shoehorn in all the new Fifty-Two bullshit. Yeah. To make it fit into you know whatever whatever promotional garbage they're doing at the moment, which well, I did not enjoy. Don't they sort of kind of have an animated movie universe? I guess some of these movies I stopped watching just because I was not enjoying them. Okay, like some of the Batman versus Robin stuff. Yeah, I haven't really watched any of those. Um. I don't know. I just I think I would have enjoyed just a regular take on like this story from sort of like when it happened, but everything's all new fifty two ish. So they have to go. Cyborg's on Justice League for some reason. I think he's a horrible character, but Jeff Johns has a hard on for him, so he's been moved to the to the main team, of course. Um. I don't know, just all that stuff. Uh, I did enjoy uh, Doomsday. His his path of destruction, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I thought all the action scenes were really good. Um, don't know if I'm a big fan of Rain Wilson's uh, Lex Luthor though. His voice just does not. I don't know. It doesn't. It it doesn't feel Lex Luthery to me. Yeah, I don't know if I remember it bugging me, but I remember not being impressed with it, per se. Yeah. Now, during the Superman cartoon, they had Clancy Brown doing the voice, and I could see that being much better. Yeah. but That, that seems like a no-brainer now that you say it out loud. I'm like, yeah. oh. Um, so, I don't know. That, I didn't, that stuff I didn't enjoy. The action stuff I thought was good. Um, the fight between Superman and Doomsday I thought was really good. Yeah. Um him just plowing through all the other Justice League members. I was hoping to get maybe a little bit more because when it actually happened, it was like Justice League International that he kind of just decimated and they had a shit ton more characters. So I was a little disappointed we didn't get much outside of the Justice League showing up to try to stop him. Um, I'm trying to think of what else from the first movie. Uh, I guess the I feel like they they shoehorned a ton of stuff into these movies. Yeah. So the Lois Lane not knowing that he was Superman subplot, I thought was just not needed. They could have dumped that out and focused See, more on the Doomsday stuff. I think what I liked about that was just the fact that it uh, it added a little bit of emotional drama to it. Yeah. Made it not just quite so cartoony. I think it relied heavily on you being invested in that storyline based on your previous knowledge of the characters, though. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, Reign of the Superman I rather enjoyed. Uh, they changed Eradicator a little bit, which I was not a huge fan of. But, I mean, 
take what you can get, I guess. Uh, Cyborg Superman, I thought was awesome. I've always been a big fan of that character. Steel was okay. I don't feel like he really did anything, which was kind of a bummer. And then uh, the uh, Superboy storyline was pretty good. Man, they like they like pretty much put his entire run from when he first premiered in the Death of Superman, Reign of Superman storyline up till just like a couple years ago, like shoehorned all of that stuff into this one movie where he finds out he's half Lex Luthor, half uh, Kal-El DNA, which seems like, man, we could have maybe not done that, but whatever. Um, the fact Doomsday was behind everything, or not Doomsday, Darkseid was behind everything. Don't know if that was retconned in later, but I know, I don't think that was in the original run that he sent Doomsday to, like, you know, destroy everybody or whatever. Uh, so I wasn't a huge fan of that, but Tony Todd playing him was pretty awesome. It's a good choice for a dark side. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the rest of it went pretty well. They followed all, pretty well along the storyline. Um, I'm a little bummed we didn't get to see uh, Cyborg Superman destroy Coast City because that was uh, a big like turning point for the Green Lantern books. And I think it would be awesome to sort of do a spinoff out of this. Nathan Fillion getting his entire Green Lantern movie to himself would be good. But, no, no, it didn't happen. But yeah, uh, enjoyed Reign of the Superman. Death of, the, Death of Superman, I think, was some of my problems with their New 52 agenda. I was not a fan of. Yeah, um, I think... Sounds like we're the opposite on this, because I definitely preferred Death of Superman more. No. I think it was just because I had a natural investment in the storyline that comes from yeah. having read the comics when I was a kid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, it wasn't horrible. Like, I enjoyed it still. But I think, uh, I think since I really liked the Cyborg Superman so much from some of the comics they were in, I had almost forgotten about him, and then he showed up in the Sinestro Corps War, and he was awesome in that. Um, I don't know. I just really like that character. So I guess seeing him being the main villain was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I didn't, like, love him to death, but I wasn't disappointed that I watched him either. But we'll see. Still need to have uh, Constantine, City of Demons, and... Uh, Gotham by Gaslight. I still have both of those to watch. So, hoping uh, those turn out pretty good. Uh Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Doug, next week, what are we uh, What are we watching? We are watching uh, The Fury and Patrick, which are both right. from 1978. And I forget what the other connection between them is. Uh, I have no idea. I know Patrick. I, I don't know what the Fury is, but I know Patrick is a dude in bed with psychic powers. Yeah, I think the main connection between the two of them is they were on one of those lists of like movies you should have seen by now, and I'm like, yeah, this list is right. I should have seen both of those by now. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's the biggest connection between them. But there's some <laughs> other reason why I think they were similar, um, and therefore they got put on the list together, and therefore they're being watched together. No, have you seen either one of these movies? 
Uh, I think I saw Patrick a long time ago, but I can't remember anything about it. Mm. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. It's Australian, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah. Was it on that uh, Not Quite Hollywood documentary, I think? I think it was. It. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of good things about it over the years, and it's it's one of those ones that's just forever on the list of things you should see. And every time I'm like, I got to get around to that. So yeah. now I'm making you guys get around to it too. No, yeah, it's good. It's one I've been wanting to watch. Yeah, there you go. And I think they just uh, remade it recently. They did. I've not like, seen that either. No, yeah. I don't plan to see that. Probably seem, not. That doesn't seem like a good idea at all. No, probably not. Uh. Yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah. Um, now someone say something clever and then we can end the show. Something clever? Oh no. Oh, I can't believe that's the joke we're ending the show on. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.